Se quiere meter en el área, línea de fondo. Caracolea el Papu. La pelota con peligro a la puerta. ¡Gol! Welcome, welcome, welcome to the latest edition of the Monty's Men Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lell. I've got Steve Ebner with me. And uh, we got a special hey, hey, hey. guest today, Mark Ambler uh, from Sevilla. Um, well, living in Sevilla, not from Sevilla, as you'll quickly hear with the accent there. But uh, he's joining us today uh, from Sevilla, right? Mark, you're, you're in the city? From Sevilla. Yeah. I'm about a kilometer from uh, Sanchez Pizjuan. So ah, sweet. Close. Yeah, I, I, right. I can walk there in about 12 minutes, door to door. So it's, uh, it's pretty close. Oh, that's nice. That's really nice. Uh, Mark's a season ticket holder, uh, goes to a ton of matches, um, and uh, we're going to talk to him a little bit today. We're going to talk about the the game that just finished uh, 30 minutes ago, 45 minutes ago uh, against Espanol, and then we've got the Europa League match we'll discuss a little bit, and then a preview of our uh, the games coming up midweek, so... Uh, let's get right into it, Mark. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. How you became a Sevilla fan? What made you fall in love with the city and decide to move there? So, uh, around that. Thanks. I, I moved here for work. Uh, as in terms of Sevilla or Betis, I'm a big football fan. I'm, I'm from London. I'm a Crystal Palace fan. Season ticket holder when I was younger. Uh, Crystal Palace are not a particularly good team. So when I came to Seville, my choices were. Severe or Betis. It was the season Betis were, they got relegated on about 17 points, I think. So there was the fact that I didn't want to watch another lot of terrible football. And also where I was living at the time, the bus went straight outside from my house, straight to Severe Stadium. So that kind of made up my mind. And then I, I actually bought my flat a few years back and now I live near the stadium, which is a coincidence. It wasn't a, a factor on me buying this place. It just it happened that way. Um, yeah, I've had a ticket for seven years, including the COVID year. So six seasons of going. Um, go to most of the matches at home. Missed the occasional one, but go most of the games. Nice. I saw your uh, photo you sent me the other day from your your seats there, and you you sit pretty close to the away fans. I I understand. I do. I sit about ten meters. Ten meters to my left are all the away fans. So. Not there's not normally that many away fans, but for the the Zagreb game there was there was quite a lot and they were they were quite rowdy as well. Yeah. Was there any incidents in, in the stands? I, I know about the ones outside the stadium the night before and then the night after, but I I haven't heard anything about inside the stadium. Yeah, so there was there seemed to be there were some plastic bottles getting thrown over. There's like a, gla- a glass see through barrier. Um, they they take the caps off the bottles when you go in the stadium. He's known. It's, it's, there's no real weight behind it. Uh, there was a bit of shouting, and I kind of looked round because the the ball was at the other end of the pitch, and uh, the police had their batons out, just hitting everyone for about five minutes. I would say they managed to squash the whole area into like half the size of the space by going oh, wow. on both sides. Wow. Um, 
after that, they seemed a bit more relaxed. The uh, Zagreb fans not quite so willing to cause trouble. <laughs> they saw the consequences of, <laughs> of their actions pretty quickly. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, hey, at so, least it was uh, plastic bottles and not a flagpole. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so with the, the, the stadium, you being a season ticket holder, what's the atmosphere in the stadium like this season? It, it uh, Especially with attendance somewhat down compared to other seasons. I mean, definitely there's there's less noise around. The, 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 the Beeries is the same same sort of noise. They're the other end for me. So it's – but you, there's definitely – there's a little bit less noise because there's just more empty seats. There's there's people I know here that just they've they've taken the year out because they financially they just can't afford to go at the moment. Uh, also because of the way Sevilla are playing and uh, the possible the possible league league win, there's a lot of nervousness I think as well. Like there's, there's a lot of fans that have been going for a lot of years and this is the closest for a long time. So people are a bit nervous and then when the football's a bit maybe lacks a bit of speed and directness and it's nil-nil against Elche like it was the other week for 60 minutes people are starting to get a bit frustrated but in general it's good the atmosphere is good I mean the the noise when Navas came on on Thursday was incredible incredible yeah that you could hear that on the on the television here it just <laughs> the fans are excited to see him back, and it was a really good ovation. Um, why do you think attendance is down this year? You mentioned financial. Are there other reasons do you think that, that attendance is, is kind of poor this season? I mean, I, I think some of the older people have maybe kept away with COVID, but I think the main reason is financial. I think people are just – there's a lot of people in Seville struggling. Um, the ticket prices are – are pretty cheap compared to other leagues compared to England. Uh, my severe ticket is two, 300 euros cheaper than what it would be for a ticket at Crystal Palace in London. Um, plus you get champions league games with that. But if you haven't got the money, you haven't got a job. It's, it's very difficult to, to afford the, the money for the football. Sure. Sure. And they, did they raise t- ticket prices this season or was it last season or, or is it going to be next season that you're talking about? Uh, this season was the same as two seasons ago, but the, the only, I've got the total. So I get the, the league and then the cup games and the European games. And it used to be every single home game, but this season it's league and the group stages of the champions league only is included. Okay. 12 euros. My ticket for the, for the Zagreb game is 12 euros because we got a big discount. Yeah, I saw good. that. Yeah. Um, I suppose if you've got two kids uh, and there's three of you going, it's a bit more expensive and it's late at night on a Thursday. It's, it's a factor for sure. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one to make, I'm sure, for the for the locals there. Um, I just can't wrap my head around the prices in, in Europe. I mean, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like my My wife and I just went to a... Uh, oh, not my wife and I. My wife and I bought tickets. A friend of mine and I went, she bowed out, um, went to a national team game here in the States. And the tickets were like $140 a piece. And it's just like, you look at all of the other, like, even Major League Soccer, you're looking at 40, 50 bucks a pop. And it's just like, there, there's this culture of expensive sporting events here in the States that I'm envious of most every other place in the world where it's 
Like I, I can't even fathom going to any kind of professional match for 12 euro. That would be, <laughs> that would be a godsend. I would love that. I am, I am jealous of that, that the, the accessibility of those matches is astounding. You noticed it in the Euros when they had the matches in uh, Stadio Olimpico and because UEFA set the prices and they set the prices at, I, I can't remember the cheapest, maybe 70 euros and people just weren't interested. They, they just didn't go to the games. Yeah, I mean, that's that's like a, a threefold increase of what like the most expensive tickets people are buying for for club matches. But that's like half the price of like the entry level for a lot of sporting events here in the States. And it's just... It's it's strange to me how that how that has happened. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Like the first time I bought tickets myself for a Sevilla match, we showed up on game day and actually bought at the at the box office. And um, you know, I my limited Spanish, I couldn't like count, you know tell them where I wanted to sit or anything like that. So I just said, hey, you know, we just want a seat, and we paid. I think it was twenty euro each, and we were two rows from the pitch, like just so close and, and maybe not great seats for viewing the whole field of the game, but for a fan being that close to the pitch and the players, it was phenomenal. And I couldn't believe that 20 euros got me two, two rows from the seats. Right. And uh, that's the only time I've ever had to buy tickets or family normally gives them to us when we go over. So it's nice, but um, that was an experience in itself, just buying them for, you know, a non-Spanish speaker, uh, asking for an entrada or, or me asking for a boleta, which, you, you know, I'm thinking ticket, boleta, but it's entrada. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, you know, a lot of talk's been going on about a new stadium, Mark. And, uh, you know, it seems like a lot of people are in favor for it. What are you, what's your opinion? Do you think there's a, a need for a stadium? Um or should we try to rebuild what we currently have and, and maybe improve the facilities there? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the, the getting a bigger stadium is competitiveness with, with Betty's to, to match their stadium size. 45,000 is quite a small stadium for a team that's going to be, if they play Champions League every year, you're not maximizing your revenues. Um, I, I don't know whether they're going to build a new stadium or not. I, I quite like the Sanchez one. It's every seat in the stadium is a good view. It's very unusual to to, to have that at stadiums. Um, and if you go too big and then you're not as successful, and suddenly you've got thirty percent of the seats empty, it really affects the the atmosphere. So uh, I I don't know if it's a good idea to to build a new stadium or expand. I, I think the expansion problems are the the weight of the stadium if they added more. Yeah, I believe that's what they're saying is if they added a third ring, it would the older construction just couldn't support it. So they have to figure out a way to expand the structure around there too. So at that at that point, the cost becomes uh, maybe easier to rebuild than than just to try to sure up what's already there to add a third ring. Um, I, I agree with you. I love the stadium. I It kind of has that old feel of, uh, you know, old, it, well, I mean, it is old. It's 50, built in, what, 58, I believe, is when it opened, something like that. So um, it, it has that older feel. But there is a lot of economic opportunity to improve the stadium and, and the finances of the team if they were to add box offices 
or you know box suites if you will for corporate uh clients and the concessions could definitely use an improvement i know they've made some efforts there but um the the, the hot dogs I, I i think you must get better hot dogs <laughs> in america Charlie, because it's a cold hot dog in a, in a style bun uh, my family still talks about the especially my girlfriend Kristen she she still talks about how disgusting the hot dog was in, in Spain but we did have this nice pizza cone one time in the stadium that was unique uh, we'd never seen that anywhere else and uh, very very cool um, yeah so I mean the, the stadium we'll see I don't know it's, I think it's a big debate and going to be a huge financial cost for the team. So see if they can, you know, maybe this new deal with um, with La Liga, you know, can, can help with that some. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the, the La Liga deal now is, is fairer to other clubs. So it should see teams like Sevilla, Sociedad, Athletic Bilbao benefit from being more competitive. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure that I'm not sure it's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, with the stadium, it'll be interesting to follow. Um, you know, we've been talking prior to to having you on, and and you've got a good uh, history there. Of you know, I think you did your dissertation on on kind of the the history of Spanish football as it related to how Franco. Uh, used it as kind of a political tool, and uh, you sent me the dissertation, but I, I I got about ten pages in, but I haven't been able to finish it yet. So I mean, if- you've done well to do ten pages. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, the title was Franco Sports Diplomacy and its effects on Spanish Anglo relations uh, in the forties and fifties. Wow! Uh, yeah, and a, a big part of it was football based. Um, Franco recognized that that football was very important to Spain and that uh, Spain Spain was very isolated after World War II. The, the allied countries, particularly the US and the UK, wanted him out of power. Uh, and one of, the, one of the big ways that he improved international relations was through football, through making football Spanish teams uh, good and giving them positive, what's called soft power. So soft power is like the the power you get that you can't physically see. So, for example, in America, the NFL creates a lot of soft power for America because everyone around the world watches it. Uh, and so they, Spain was very good at, in the late 40s, they started encouraging international players to come in, international coaches, which wasn't really happening in other big leagues in Europe. Uh, Puskas, Di Stefano, Kubala, these players came in from, from other countries. Uh, they adopted a lot of British techniques for formations and uh, the money. There was a competition called the Latin Cup, which was a precursor to the what's now the Champions League. So it involved uh, the winner of the Spanish, French, Portuguese and Italian leagues. And they'd play at the end of the season in a four-team knockout competition. Franco or the Francoists managed to take control of the committee for that. Uh, they then they adapted the rules to suit Spain. So, for example, when games were in Spain, it would be in the summer and they'd play the games at seven o'clock at night. Uh, so it was boiling hot. 
they'd also allow clubs in when Real Madrid, for example, they played in it, but they borrowed players from Atletico and they, they managed to build a, a team around that. Uh, so Spain then used the Latin Cup as like a, a practice for playing international domestic league football. And they realised there was a lot of money to make from it. And then with Santiago Bernabal was friends with Franco and he encouraged a lot of investment in the club. They brought in these international players. They started winning. Uh, they won the first five European Cups and they, they used the money to go on international tours. So I think the government was making money. So Spain, Real Madrid would go on a tour to Argentina and the government would take money from various groups and they made about a million dollars by 1961 from Real Madrid doing international tours. So it's quite a, quite a bit of money. Wow. Um, yeah, and the success was considered... It showed Spain as being a modern country and uh, not not the quite poor country it was at the time. So it, it, the football, Real Madrid and Barcelona in particular, and then the international team winning the 1964 Euros was a very positive experience for Spain and for Franco. Franco managed it very well. Interesting. Do you have any thoughts on how that kind of era and and putting so much focus on Real Madrid and, and Barcelona affected the other teams of the league, particularly Sevilla? Yeah, I think it made it very difficult for teams like Seville to compete. I think Real Madrid attracted the, attracted the big players because they had the big money to spend. Uh, Barcelona had the... Barcelona, the football was considered um, an area for dissent that was that was allowed by the government. So the, the Franquists would allow national dissent in, in Barcelona and Athletic Bilbao as a way of focusing within the stadium to stop it being on the streets and causing wider problems. So Barcelona benefited from being able to get these players and having more, more freedom. And Real Madrid certainly... Real Madrid, I think, won their fourth title in 1953. So when they won, when they won their fourth, uh, Athletic, Atletico, and Barcelona had all won more titles, and that was the start of the period that Real Madrid dominated and went ahead because they were just given the, the financial help and the financial support by the by the government, and it, I think it made it very difficult for teams like Seville. Very difficult. That's that's interesting because you know our our first championship kind of came in that well our only championship came. Uh, La Liga championship uh, came through that era in what forty five is that one forty five forty six yeah, I think was the yeah. the year um, so it kind of came in that early part of your of your study there and uh, which kind of correlates to what you're saying it, it made it you know yeah we competed early on but then the financial success of Real Madrid made it much difficult much more difficult for Sevilla to, to compete and. Maybe we would have won more if, if that didn't happen. Maybe. So. The, 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 big, the big changes politically happened in 47-48. That was really so It was literally just after Sevilla won the league. When, uh... Sorry, go on. No, no, no. It's super interesting. That's, uh, I've never correlated the, that time period to the political events that were actually going on in Sevilla or in Spain. Um, so, I, I got a question here. So 
it may have hindered the success of smaller clubs like Sevilla and and other clubs like that at the time. Um, but do you think that the league is better off today because of the efforts of the that the government to put more money into the sport in general at that time period, or would it be would we kind of be seeing something similar now? Uh, that's a very tough question. I don't know. Um, I think. I mean, I, I think Spain had a renaissance after the '82 World Cup as well. I think maybe that was that made quite a big change. The, the the '70s were quite a low period. The stadiums were very run down because all the stadiums were built. I mean, you said earlier Sanchez Pizjuan was '58, but Camp Nou and the Bernabeu were the early '50s. Uh, I think Mestalla is around that time as well. Uh, I don't. I think Spain had a renaissance maybe. After democracy, the the 80s were quite a big period. You had the World Cup in 82, uh, the Barcelona Olympics in 92, the Expo in Seville in the early 90s. Uh, so you so put I, more more emphasis on on that being kind of the the, the boom to where we I are think, now than, I think than so, earlier yeah, in the century. I think, kind of, I think there may be slightly separate events, maybe. Okay. It's, yeah, it's cool. difficult to say. It's difficult to say. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for the insight there. Yeah, that's, that's an awesome discussion because, you know, as English speakers and, and people that are fairly new to Spanish football, you know, 2010 for me, I think, um, Steve, um, similar. Uh, we don't we don't know the history and I don't think La Liga does a great job in general of promoting the history of the league, uh, especially to English speaking audiences that, that just doesn't exist. Even Sevilla itself. And I've talked to the the guys at the team about this of, of promoting the history and and educating us a little more on the history. It's something they don't do a very good job of, and I wish they would improve just because it's an important part of our identity and and builds uh, our our love for the game even more. So, switching gears a little bit, let's talk about the team. Uh, you know, our current team. What do you think about Lopetegui? His tactics, uh, our players. Um, you know, we got Anthony uh, Martial just signed uh, here recently. How was the reception for him in the stadium? Uh, it, was there anything that we might not have seen on television that kind of showed how he's fitting into the team? Uh, the reception for Martial was very good. I think it's um, it's considered a real big signing to have got him, even though it's only a loan for six months. I think it was uh, a very positive move. I think it's difficult to judge how good Zagreb are. I'm, I'm not sure they're necessarily La Liga quality, uh, but the, to have Martial and Acampos and Papu Gomez had a great game in the, in, in the Europa League as well. It's, it's a bit more exciting, a bit more pressing. Um, it's good. I think Lopetegui, he, he's got his system. It's maybe not the most beautiful football to watch some of the time, uh, but it's relatively effective. Yeah, that's a, I think, well, after today's uh, decision, it's 11 straight games without a loss. So, uh, And he's only lost two in the league this year, two games uh, so far. Here we are in February. I don't think we've ever been able to say that in a long time. So um, proof's in the pudding, I think, with, with Lopetegui. You're right, it's not attractive. And today's game was 
definitely sh- showed that uh, as the the result was probably fair today, right? I mean, one one draw uh, at Espanol, who who actually beat Real Madrid earlier in the season at their stadium. So, um, you know, on paper, not a terrible decision for us coming out of there with a one one draw, especially with some of the things that happened on the field uh, in that game. But uh, with Real Madrid winning yesterday 3-0, it it seems a disappointment for our bigger goal of winning the championship this year and uh, took the air out of that that balloon very quickly, I think, today. So um, what were your thoughts about the game? How do you think we started? Um, And just kind of walk us through what, what you saw on the pitch today. I thought it was uh it was a very I thought it was a very severe game today. There was it, it lacked a little bit of intensity. Our goal came from Diego Carlos making a great interception and the, the crossfield ball and then Papu Gomez had uh, made a yeah, for me it was a good finish. He's uh, he's not been in the best form and he he finished it well. But it feels like when when a team's set defensively against Sevilla, Sevilla find it very difficult to break teams down because it's all just a bit sidewards and there's no real there's no real urgency to the match. That's the way Lopetegui sets up. The, the players are obviously following his instructions and he, he's relatively successful with it. But it, it feels like it lacks urgency. There was a there was a moment in the second half where I think Torres crossed in from the left. And there was nobody in the box. Nobody. Like Rafamir had pulled up for yeah. some reason. And even, even when the crosses come in, normally it's the forward and the other winger are the only ones in the box. The, the, the midfield are normally kind of 10, 15 yards outside the box. And you're not going to score a lot of goals if, if that's the setup. That's, that's just how it is. Yeah, but that's true. We don't true. see either. Yeah. You know, one thing I saw early on in the game, we had that um, that pass over the top. I'm not sure if that was Jordan or or who it was, but uh, found Rafa Mir in behind. Um, Rafa had a terrible touch on it, but it, you know that over the top ball. That that's the only time we saw that. Uh, I didn't see it another time throughout the rest of the game, and at least over the top in the middle, we've seen it. We saw it go out wide all the time, <laughs> way too many times, but you never saw it again after that. And we could have scored there if Rafa had a little better touch. I mean, he got in behind. Uh, we saw a, a through ball late with Inezri, but he was offside. Uh, so that wouldn't have counted anyway. But, um, yeah, I mean, tactics is what it is. I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast so many times that it just seems like we repeat episodes, and we probably could because – it's Lopetegui ball, and and I don't see it changing, and and maybe it shouldn't. Somebody on the forum today actually suggested, well, when they when they put out the lineup today, the graphic on the television showed us playing a four four two. I think it was just somebody at ESPN here in the U.S. saying, ah, oh, that's they don't have uh, you know a right back, so they must be playing a four four two. But of course, we're playing our standard ball with. Uh, uh, Jesus Corona playing right back today. So, um, you know, they're suggesting on the forum us changing formation. And my, my 
counter to that is we haven't lost in 10 straight. So why change anything? I mean, we're, we're close, but to their point today, maybe, maybe with a little different tactic, we, we win that game, but um, just a, a strange game. You're right. It's, it's a, it's a Sevilla ball, especially away from home. We always struggle finding that intensity for some reason, it seems like. And uh, today was no different. Um, you know, we got the goal from a great – you brought it up at Diego Carlos. I mean, great ball out to Papu. Papu did wonders over there on the left side to cross it, and it was a pinpoint perfect cross to uh, Rafa Mir, who, who uh, still had a little bit to do there. He had to, you know, kind of – Contend with the post because he knew he was going to take a knock there, you know, going into the post. So a uh, good goal kind of came out of nowhere because it didn't seem like Sevilla was scoring on, on today. And, uh, but man, right after halftime, they equalized and hey, at least it uh, wasn't an equalizer right before halftime. That's true. I, I thought it was coming. I, I just knew they were going to score right before halftime. Uh, I, I think Kunde slipped for the goal. Yeah, the, the the guy came in behind him, and then couldn't they kind of slip? He knew where he was moving, so couldn't they slip? And then it, it was it was all over. But yeah, it was yeah, kind it, of it a, looked kind of like the same thing as uh, um, uh, Ocampos going down in like the second minute, where he just he loses his footing and and goes down. Yeah, the uh, Jordan was that was Jordan's man, and he kind of was coming. He was. Kind of coming back, but he would at that point he would he had passed him off to Kunde, and then when Kunde fell, it just it just created a, an open header for him and um, really good it finish. A, it was a really good finish. It was beautifully placed too. I mean, you can't you can't def- I mean, as a goalkeeper, you can't really defend against it. You could have defended it better with marking players in the box, but like it can't complain about letting that goal in. Yeah, I mean it, it happens. Uh, it's a shame that he fell down because I think he would have he would have made it more difficult and maybe have won the header. But but to Mark's point, I mean that's what cost it. So later on, uh, well, there in the first half, we you know we talked about Martial and and the streak with injuries continue with this team as Martial. I think it was in like the twenty fourth minute or so he he went down with uh, what maybe looked like a knee. I'm not exactly sure. I couldn't tell what they were working on. Um, they didn't really show him after the game. I don't know if he went straight to the locker room or I never saw him on the bench after that. They didn't pan to him that I saw. So I don't know. Did Mark, did you hear anything after the game of, of what the injury was? I haven't, I haven't seen anything. It just, it doesn't look good. I, I'll be very surprised if he, if he plays the Betty's game next week. And he walked off the pitch, which is a good thing, but you could see him grimacing when they were the the physio was working on his leg, and it it, it did look like a knee problem. It's, yeah, normally those things at best case are a couple of weeks. Normally, but yeah, let's let's hope for the best with him. Maybe it was just a little twist, and he recovers quickly. But you know, Steve, you brought it up on the forum. It's just another injury, and. Uh, I'll let you talk about what you what you posted there on on Twitter and the forum. So, yeah, I mean, I've said it before on this podcast. I think we, you and Eddie and I, have had a conversation about it, but it it's not really. I mean, you can't really chalk this up to coincidence anymore. It's been almost almost two full seasons now at this point where we have had terrible quote unquote luck 
with injuries. Um, and after two years, when does that stop being luck and start having a cause? And I mean, if you think about it, the years, what would have been 2019, 2020 um, was when we like, that was the last time that we really kind of made it through an entire campaign without crazy injuries. And I believe that was the year that what Jesus Navas played every minute in La Liga. <laughs> um, and that summer, our um, head physician, our team doc and our, our physio and most of his squad left for PSG and they had to bring in a new, a new, a new physio team. Um, and it's not uncommon for injuries like this to happen. When you have a new physio team, the players are being treated differently. There's different courses of treatment. Um, players need to adjust to what that, what that, a regimen is to get back from injuries. Um, and they also have different, uh, different philosophies about, um, because everybody has the biometric tracking. Now they all wear the, like the GPS and the heart rate and everything in, in practice, in, um, in games everywhere. And they track, they track heart rates. They track, um, every kind of biometric you can have. They track how many kilometers you're running and how fast you're running. And, they use that to to make sure that they're not overworking players. And if a different physio squad has a different threshold for these players to meet or or mileage you can put on them or 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 what have you, um, you're gonna see differences in recovery time and injuries. And there's been a lot of the, the thing that, that makes it obvious to me, not obvious to me, the thing that makes me think that this is more likely than not is the fact that a lot of these injuries are soft tissue issue uh, injuries they're not tweaking your ankle they're not blowing out your knee it's it's hamstring injuries it's it's calf injuries it's it's non-contact injuries that happen on the pitch and that is that seems like it's a training issue so i don't know if this is something that that we can that we can remedy but i think it it can't be overlooked that we had we had pretty good luck with injuries for almost a decade our previous physio staff was here for nine years left for PSG and then almost immediately we are in the situation where we have so many players out. There's also a reverse of that too. I mean, that's a, you make great points there, but around that same time with COVID starting up there, there has been a, a greater impact to the players themselves as far as how many games they're playing, uh, especially well, with Sevilla's well, international players, right? Cause Yep. You know, you've got these guys going off uh, for international break, playing three games in two weeks where before they were only playing two. So yep. uh, and our, and our European internationals didn't really have any kind of offseason this offseason because they were playing in the Euros. Um, and we have been more successful over the last three years than we have over like since really since. Emery left um, and we are making deeper runs into Europe. We are making deeper runs in the Copa del Rey. We, we have more, more opportunities for wear and tear. Um, sure. But I don't, I think it's something that obviously it's not going to be easy to fix. If that is the issue, it would require bringing in a new physio staff, which is not easy to do, especially with the way contracts work. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just I don't think that it can be chalked up to coincidence anymore. If it's not this reason, I think that there is definitely 
a reason that this is happening or a host of reasons that are contributing. Yeah, I think it's it's a multitude multitude of of reasons, right? I mean, you've got uh, Lopetegui um, being very bullish, I guess, in in his selections, uh, always playing Ocampos. Martial hasn't played very much with Man City, or sorry, with Man United. And then we bring him in, and he's played every game since he's been here and played not a full 90 yet, but, you know, a lot of matches here. Um, you know, Novice, you mentioned him the year that he played all the games. And and so you've got all of that, uh, you know, not rotating a lot of players out, especially at those wings positions. Uh, well, we haven't then, had the opportunity to to rotate a lot of, a lot this year just with the injuries and COVID. Like, I mean, obviously well, – COVID's That's what I was going to bring animal. up, right? Like you, um, you, you, injuries, they can multiply because you're putting stress on other people that would normally get more rest. Yeah. Uh, but if your bench is limited, which Savias has been very limited this year, uh, you're just adding to yeah. adding to the problem because you can't rest players properly. And and is it the physio staff? You know the new problem. You know, are they a contributing factor? Very possible. Um, are they the only reason? I can't probably speak. not. I I can't agree with that. Yeah, I, right? I think so. the, the big takeaway here is that as fans, we should not think of this as an unlucky spell with injuries and COVID. Like this is something. There's something systemic going on that this is that this is going to be with us, and and we need to probably come to terms with the fact that like Martial, if this is a long-term injury or long-ish term injury, um, this will not be the last injury that we have this season. Like, like we are going to have other players go down. Um, I hope it's not one of the players that we just got back, but it's like something is like, we can no longer chalk this up to being unlucky. Like there's something going on here that is, that is um, going to cause more of this kind of situation and um i think we just need to come to terms with that and that's difficult to come to terms with because like these are this is a a team and a club that we are all passionate about we want to be successful um and we also recognize that at the end of the day these are human beings that that are we are watching for sport and they are giving their bodies for us to enjoy watching this sport and when it all is said and done, you hate to see anybody get hurt and suffer injuries like this, especially when they could be career changing. And um, yeah, it's, it's tough to come to terms with for, for a host of reasons, but I don't think we should be surprised if we see another relatively major injury between now and May. Yeah. It, it has a lot of different effects, right? More injuries. And then today we saw a basically a formation change because, um, you know, Martial getting hurt, we had to kind of bring up uh, Corona into that winger position and, and move some things around. We ended up finishing the game with three in the back uh, and kind of playing a, a different formation that we're accustomed to. So, um it didn't really affect us today as far as giving up another goal, although there was chances of plenty for Espanol to, to take that victory today. Um, I guess the biggest event of the, of the game later on, uh, just 
the ref, this ref today, um, inexcusable decision to give Kunde a red card. I thought um, Kunde had kind of breaking broken away and was getting pulled back and pulled back. It was just, you know, it wasn't just one foul there. It was a multitude of fouls. I've said that word twice today. That's crazy. Uh, or tried to. Um, and then Kunde kind of like slings his arm back to, to in frustration a little bit, barely touches, what is it, Prado? Is that, that's who the guy's name, I think. And uh, he makes a meal of it, beats the ref into calling a red card. Uh, this is, um, wow, what's the guy's name? Pablo uh, Gonzalez Fuentes is the ref. And he's ref two games for Sevilla this year, both against Espanol. Uh, and in those games, both games had a red card for Sevilla. Uh, Sevilla got 11 yellow cards through the two games uh, with that referee. And uh, today's decision was just it, – it almost looked like he was looking to get rid of Kunde off the field because he, he gave him a yellow earlier for a very uh, cheap foul, if you will. Uh, Kunde had won the ball. And their player kind of tripped over Kunde's feet. It didn't look like Kunde even tried to foul him, and there was no reason for him to try to foul him because we had the ball. But uh, anyway, sent off, changed the course of the game there. Later on, Acampos gets a, a, a yellow card, uh, which is now his fifth yellow card. He has to serve a suspension for the next game in La Liga, which is the Derby coming up. Not looking good for the Derby for this team, guys. We're going to be down. Uh, Campos, uh, Kunde, unless by some miracle they uh, overturn that. I'm sure Sevilla will appeal it, but I yeah. don't see it getting overturned. Uh, and and probably Martial too. So that's the that's the kicker. That's the one that's going to hurt the most, I think. Um, Ocampos, you always hate to see him out, but over the last couple of games, he has gone down with what could be. What looks like pretty painful injuries. Um, like in the second minute today, I thought for sure he was going to have to get subbed off um, because that was not a, that was not a contact thing. Again, like whenever you see a player go down just on their own, like it looks like something's going to be bad. And he's coming back from an injury. He's not that far removed from his injury. I hate to see him not on the pitch, especially against Betis. But having extra time off is, I think, going to benefit him in the long term. And then Kunde, he's one of our stalwarts on defense, but we do get Acuna back. Like Acuna served his suspension today. So he will be back for, for the, the Betis game. And so our back line and, and Acuna is very good. And I, our back line should be, should be up to like up to the task. Um, but the Martial injury is the one that is the most concerning to me, especially given the immediacy um, just in the next week or so. Well, that and combined with the compost. I'm sorry, Mark, go ahead. Yeah. I, I think Kunde will be suspended for three games because that's violent conduct. Yeah, so it's a, probably. It's a three-game suspension normally, which yeah. is... I, I genuinely thought the ref... Because Kunde kind of hung around, and they do that a lot when players get red cards, but I thought, I thought it was going to go to VAR. That's what I thought happened too. I, I thought that like, oh, this ref made a good decision to go give him a straight red because like, okay, I could understand giving him a second yellow for that. And then like with the way that the game had been called, I don't agree with the second yellow 
for that or even a first yellow. Um, but with the way the, that he had called the game, like, oh, like a second yellow, great. Um, but you can't do VAR review of a second yellow. So I thought maybe he went to a red to give VAR the chance to like, okay, like uh, if he, okay. if he, like if you're going to get a red card anyway, you might as well go straight red so VAR can review it. And I thought that was what's going to happen. We see that in American sports all the time where they go for the, like the, the greater of the two evils so that, so that the, the eye in the sky basically can take a look at it and tell, and, and make the, make the decision. But that didn't happen. I'm like, oh, well, maybe I'm giving them too much credit for the way that, he's calling I, this game. That's Kunde's second red this season. I couldn't remember whether the first red was in the Euro- Europe or was it in the no. league? That was, was when he. That was when he threw the ball at. Uh, uh, who Which was it? Might mean it might mean uh, a five-game suspension. Yeah, because it's a second violent conduct. Which yeah. I mean, violence is a very very strong word to use so, about both of those. But we'll see what happened. Uh, he only got a one one game suspension for his first for his first oh, red. <clears throat> okay. Um, yeah. yeah, but he, so and I don't know. May, like maybe they'll be able to appeal that suspension. Um, but, but the that's the problem that, with the red is is it you get into that severe penalties instead of just being a second yellow and you get a yeah. one game and no no worries. Now you've got to go to uh, RFEF's decision panel and and they have to make yep. a decision on it. Uh, I think better served there with the ref just not blowing the whistle. I mean, is, is there's a foul? Nothing happened there. Let VAR review it. Because he yep. couldn't see it, the ref was behind the play. He couldn't see what happened there. If if some no, violent you, you can't contact blame him happened, for taking the play, yeah, or making the call, VAR, VAR could have came in and said, "Hey, that you know, he he punched him in the stomach or whatever," and and you could have give a red after the fact. But the ref yep. immediately goes to the red. That's his eighth red card of the season. He's given out. So it, this guy's quick to the red and. It affects the game, and it affects our next game. It affects the the the, the title. It. I, I hate when referees have to involve themselves in the game. You know, it, that's why we have replay. If there's a violent contact, let them decide. There was nothing there. You know, I mean, you can't blame them for stopping the play, but like you said, stop the play and then then make the decision. Like you have VAR for a reason. Yeah, um, I mean it was a, it was a foul, a clear foul, and a yellow card on the other player, but it was nothing yeah. more than that. So yep. Prado made a meal of it, and we should do like what we're about to do and move on. Sevilla drops <laughs> points. We're now six points behind um, Real Madrid in the in the championship race. Um, we do go to well, we're back at home next week from uh, for the Derby. Uh, Mark, I'm sure you'll be in the stands for that one, right? Yeah, that's the the game of the season. Always, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a fantastic match. Apart yeah. from when, apart from when they win, the, <laughs> the 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 five three game. The the guy that sits next to me, he, he always arrives like two three minutes late, and he he was walking through and he had his P pass and he's opening his P pass and then he's like, oh, they've scored when they when they uh, when they scored after. I can't remember. Was it forty seconds, fifty seconds, something like that? That was a Levante game, right? Yeah. No, no, yeah. the the Betis game from oh from a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah, saying the five three game. The banner down. Yeah. The series pulling the banner down. There was one nil up. But yeah, no, it'll be a fantastic game. Hopefully, I think it's going to be a bit edgy, especially if Jordan plays. There's going to be some. Well, he's got to play. You've yeah. got to have him in there. He Give him the armband. Try- 
the 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 end of the stadium <laughs> I sit, the the severe players practice free kicks. I always get to the stadium about forty five minutes before kickoff. I like to just sit there and relax. And uh, Jordan takes the best free kicks before the game. Every yeah. single one of them looks amazing. Yeah. Uh, so I'd like to see him score score one in the match. But I hope he scores. That would be that would just be uh, what what he needs, I think, for his confidence level, and then. Just to kind of rub it into those. Give him the armband, let him get a hat trick, and we'll close the book on Betis this season. <laughs> uh, it's a big game. I mean, it made, it became even bigger today. Uh, I think Betis plays later today, so we'll see what the results are. But, um, I mean, it, it's an opportunity for them to really catch us in the next couple matches here. So that game becomes huge, and missing these, these players – I don't think the Kunde loss is, is with novice back. I don't think missing Kunde is as big as missing two of our, well, our two starting wingers. Let's be honest at yeah. this point. I mean, uh, now we're down to probably Corona and uh, either Papu or Monir, you know, slotting in there more than likely. So I don't know. It's not exactly where we want to be, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, so, Hopefully we do what we normally do and, and beat Bettis, and that we'll find out that on Sunday. Uh, switching gears a little bit, uh, we did play Sevilla's back in the Europa League tournament, our our very familiar and comfortable position of being in the Europa League tournament. We we faced uh, a team that we faced before, uh, I think in the Champions League, though, right? Um, Zagreb. Uh, uh, anyway. Good victory for the team, uh, 3-1. We saw Rakitic with a penalty. Uh, I, I liked that he got back up there and, and took that penalty and, and nailed it. Um, that shows a leader and a, and a captain uh, kind of performance there from him. Uh, Dynamo equalized in the 41st minute, and then we got goals uh, right before halftime for Sevilla this time, too. In fact, with the Campos and uh, Martial getting his first goal for the team uh, right there before halftime. So uh, nothing else in the second half. It was all first half scoring three once via with a victory. Guys, what do you take from the from the game midweek? We got a counterattack goal, a beautiful counterattack goal. When's the <laughs> last time any of us could say that we're proud of the counterattack that we see from this team? Um, but that was the in stoppage time first half. Uh, Martial on the counterattack there. It was it was beautiful. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean that was the takeaway. Like this was, we played this game like we should have played the group stage in Champions League. Um, we we came out attacking. We came out aggressive. Um, against a team that is probably on par with the other teams that we had in the group stage of Champions League. Um. And that's not to take away from from anybody. I mean, we are on par with that as well. Um, but it's it's interesting. Like it it felt good to be back in this competition. Um, I've got a quick side note here that just I really I really prefer like the color scheme of the Europa League over Champions League, and I like the I like the anthem and the theme better for it. Just it feels more us. Um, but no, it was. It was good. I mean, we scored three goals. I think the highlight of the game was Navas returning to the pitch after the months-long hiatus that he's been with injury. Um, we got our, our second half of the of the fixture next week um, in Croatia, and uh, I think the kind of the important thing to keep an eye on is 
is uh, what will the removal of the away goals mean in this competition? Like this is the first time that we will be able to see that um, with, with the, the no more away goals um, in, in Europe um, for this year. And um, if anything, I think it will benefit us because we gave up a goal to an away team. But um, I think that's, that'll be something interesting to keep an eye on that may have gone kind of under the radar with the celebration of the three, one victory. I think it's an incredibly open competition. Again, the Europa League is always very open. I actually prefer it to the Champions League. I find the Champions League quite predictable and boring, despite the the quality of football being incredible at the, the best teams. But um, the Europa League is an exciting competition. And you get to play teams like Zagreb and hopefully the next round where we'll see who we get. But um, it was good good performance on, on Thursday. It was, uh, it was a solid performance. We looked... I, I like the the Papu kind of playing just behind the striker and then Ocampos and Martial wide. Martial was through the middle for a bit. Munir had a, a decent game. He, he, one of his best games of the season, I thought. When he, yeah, uh, I thought Munir was really good. I'm surprised uh, we didn't see him today. <laughs> yeah. He was warming up there for Martial. It looked like he was going to come on, but they went with Papu instead. I, yeah. I, I'm not a big Papu Gomez on the wing fan. I, I, I definitely prefer him in the middle. I think he... Because he... For all his skill, he's not very pacey. And I think uh, he gets, it's very easy to, to show him outside when he's on the wing. Whereas it, when he's in the middle and he can drop deep and then he can dictate, play a lot. And especially when Rakitic is also playing, because then they can both dictate play and it's very difficult to yeah. track them. And Fernando can do all of the running because he's, he's phenomenal at that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I prefer him in the center as well. Um, <laughs> but I also prefer him on the pitch over on the bench so if he has to be if he has to be on the wing um and the alternative is to be on the bench i would take that in a heartbeat immediate impact today when he came on to oh definitely just an immediate impact um talking about the game uh it was three sorry it we welcomed back jesus novice for the first time in a, in a long time he got back on the pitch uh and it was also his 300th win as a Sevilla player Nobody's ever done that for Sevilla. So um, congratulations to, to Jesus uh, for that accomplishment. What an accomplishment that is. So um, really good for him. Uh, I don't think I had any more notes from that. Um, it, uh, did you notice they strapped up Navis's leg before he came on? I don't know if they did it on Thursday because I didn't <clears> see, but it makes me wonder if he can do a whole game at fullback. That's... Nerve-wracking, right? Yeah. Is Rekix back on for the next game, or is he out for a few weeks? I think he's out. Um, they, uh, <laughs> it's kind of a running joke here that we really don't know <laughs> on on injuries with this team because they, you know, they play it pretty close to the vest. But yeah. uh, it seems like he's going to be out for at least a few weeks. Um, that that Rekic injury. So uh, I'm sure we'll see probably Gudeli in the back. Um, which he, he's performed pretty well there uh, as at the center back role. Not so much when he's played uh, defensive mid, but uh, I don't think he has to this game. I think he, he could slot in there just fine. I'm sure we can count on a yellow card from him. <laughs> he, he loves a yellow card, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> uh, um, the other stat that I had from uh, that last game was, you know, Bono's had a great season, and he scored the – He's had the fewest goals conceded of any starting goalkeeper in the 
uh, in the top five leagues. So a uh, phenomenal record for Bono this year. He did let one in today, but not his fault, as we've talked about. Uh, and he's got the second highest save percentage in the top five leagues. So phenomenal season for him. Let's hope he gets a new contract very soon. Um, yeah. And then uh, our our kids, they uh, they took a tough loss yesterday, 2-1 against San Lequeno. And I don't know if I said that right, but I tried. Um uh, we did get a goal from uh, uh, Valesco for for Sevilla Atletico, and uh, for them a, a familiar name, Javi Navarro scores for them. <laughs> Not somebody that we know personally, but you know that name uh, from Sevilla legend there. But anyway, tough. Didn't really affect the standings very much. Uh, just just a tough result because they've been playing really well. Uh, the women lost last week too. Uh, they played after our podcast was recorded. They they lost pretty bad, five nothing to to Atletico Madrid uh, on Sunday, and they're off until the second of March. They've got an international break, and they play Athletic uh, Club Bilbao in the round of sixteen in the Copa de la Reina. So, um, women's got some stuff we're looking forward to. Right after that match, they play the the women derby. They play Betis as well. So. Got a couple of derbies look to look forward to coming up. Mark, you you get over to any of the Sevilla Atletico games? I don't. I I, I have been looking at getting games. It was very post COVID. Before COVID, my job meant I couldn't go to any of those matches. Um, and then since COVID, I've been looking. At the moment, you have to register a few days before. You can't just turn up with your season ticket, which makes oh, wow. it a bit more complicated. I think they need to know who's going into the stadium and they need to limit numbers a little bit. Uh, but it is on my to-do list. It's a little bit more difficult for me to get to uh, the, the Jesus Navas Stadium, but uh, I, I would like to go for sure. Yeah, you got to take the train down there and or or, or a car, I guess. But uh, it is a little outside the city there. But, um, yeah, I was curious if you, if you guys went um, – that's uh, it's an interesting facility out there. I got a chance to go when I went back November 2019. I made a trip out to to the training facility and and got to get a little quick tour and saw the players and stuff. It was pretty cool. Um, yeah. So I tried to watch the derby last week, which we did win. The Speed Speed Boys won the derby, um, the mini derby as they call it. Uh, I tried to watch that, but we couldn't, there's a, I guess it's called footers is what channel that they broadcast it on here in the U S and I guess U S and the UK. And I tried to sign up for it cause it's like 10 bucks or 10 euros a month to, to, to get it anyway. I was like, Hey, I'll, I'll get it and watch the Derby and then cancel. But you couldn't, yeah, I couldn't progress past the website. Like it, you had to sign up your email and then I couldn't pay. It just wouldn't let me pay. So uh, footers needs to change their website if they want to sell some subscriptions. But anyway, uh, guys, anything else you want to discuss before we uh, head out and enjoy our Sunday? I saw the under 19s have got PSG in the next round. I know you were talking about it last week. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But it's just the one leg. So it's, it's in Paris, unfortunately. So that'll be, I'm guessing a very tough game. I imagine so. Yeah, you never know. Anything could happen with the uh, youth, and also with one leg matches. So, um, yeah, maybe it's time for some magic and 
we can we can advance. Who knows? That's what they're in the last sixteen. Is that right? I in that think tournament? it's the last sixteen. Yeah, and it's all it's all one leg, isn't it? The, yeah. And I think the last traditionally the last four play the semis and the final in one place. I think. Yeah, I, I I forgot where that was. I I saw that last week when I was looking some things up, but I I can't remember the the location. Um, I'll try to have that ready for next week. Uh, yeah, so big week for these guys. I mean, we got to bounce back, travel to Croatia. Um, yeah, we pretty comfortable. You got to feel good three one. Uh, going into that that scenario, Kunde can play that game. So. Uh, I can't imagine them scoring more than two goals against us, so I think we'll be okay. Um, but I, I don't, I don't see them scoring two more goals than us. Like maybe they might put two in, but if we score at all, then they'll need to score yeah. two additional. Yeah, it's uh, especially with the the fact that away goals are no longer in the in the rule book. Um, I, I- I wasn't overly impressed with Zagreb. Orsic, who scored no. their goal, he had no. a, a couple of chances. He looked quite impressive. I was surprised yeah. he's, he's actually 29. I was expecting him to be much younger when uh, when I'd seen him and he was yeah. like an up-and-coming talent, but that's not the case. He's been in China and Japan, I think, for years. Yeah, um, I, I, I'd be very disappointed if we don't comfortably get through that. Whether it's a nil-nil, that, that's okay. Yeah. But, this yeah. seemed like a like a talented enough team um but they played very uh ticky tack not ticky tack they played very well they, they were I, I don't know how to say this politely or politically um they didn't play very exciting football and the only excitement that we saw from their game was when they were um tr- going in for aggressive fouls or were trying to appeal to the ref for fouls against us. Um, <laughs> so it's, and it's disappointing because you could see that they were talented and that they, they had a relatively, relatively put together lineup um, and they might be able to do something with it, but it felt like they were, like they knew that they, that their game plan was going to be, play not necessarily a dirty game but play a game that was that was tailored more towards getting lucky on a on a on a restart or getting lucky on a free kick um and off of a set piece that they could generate and they they just try to get as much of that as possible so you're saying they're getafe (laughs) yeah and i mean like honestly like the game today against espanol was also a very chippy game, but it didn't feel at all like that. Like it, like they were they were going in aggressively. They were they were trying to get the ball away, but they weren't like overselling fouls, except for the couple towards the end, like especially against Kunde. Um, but they weren't like trying to oversell things. They were like they were getting right back up after things were done. They they weren't complaining about uh, the stoppage in plays or fouls when they were called on them. It was like I don't know. Hats off to to Espanol. Like I think Espanol played a pretty pretty good game today and um like it, should have won i mean yeah they, they should have they, the like, they should have today. Yeah. um and they executed a lot better than than i think we expected but um but yeah it was just a complete night and day like it was it was the same level of aggression 
that Zagreb showed in in midweek, um, but it was just executed to a to a different level, and it was interesting. Um, it'll be good. We play. We'll probably play another starting stopping game chippy game against Zagreb this this midweek uh, I would expect to see something similar and then you know that the gloves are going to come off on on next weekend when we're playing against Betis so we're in for some physical physical football over the next couple of games yeah I expect the same I think it's going to be very chippy and um, I, I'm curious to see who the rep is going to be for that match I think the chances of no one getting sent off next next Sunday is small. I, 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 I can't see someone not going off. Right? Yeah, I agree. The whole city is the whole city's really like buzzing for this game. It's, it's obviously it's always a big game, but this is Betty's Betty's are going very well this season. They're third in the league, probably going to get through to the cup final, doing well in Europe as well, and it's. Um, it's maybe the chance to knock them back down a little bit. I would relish that. So <laughs> I hope that works. Yeah, I would love that. And But even more so, like obviously beating a, a, a big rival like Betis is always a good thing, no matter where we are on the table. Um, but we, we can't lose sight of Real Madrid being six points ahead of us. Like as much as we want to say, oh, let's knock Betis down. Like our focus should be to win this game so that we can maintain like, I don't know, within reaching distance of, of Real Madrid and first, I mean, for, if, if Betis gets closer to us, that also means that we get further from first. So, um, that's where we need to, like, we can't be looking behind us. We we just need to be looking forward and let Betis play their game. Let Betis do what they're going to do. Um, we come out there and we play with the intention of, of closing the gap on first instead of burying our, our rivals. Um, and I think if we do that and if we have that focus, it's going to be more successful than than playing down to not down to Betis's level because Betis is a talented team. Um, you could argue that their attack is actually more put together than ours at this point. Um, and so not playing down to the level in that sense, but playing down to the level in like a like a sporting sense or like a moral sense. Like let's not play this chippy game. Let's not stoop to their level. Let them do what they're going to do. And we just take the high road, play the football we know we can. And show Real Madrid that you know we may have slipped up a little bit this week, but they can't take the foot off the gas. Um, just, I like that. I like that. We do. Let's what we do can. it. We, we try and have a positive outlook on things, as hard as it is. It would be great to be in the city this week, Mark. It really would. I'm sure there's going to be a, a lot of buzz. Uh, both teams playing in Europe uh, this week, uh, and. Where do where does uh, Betis play this week? Do they have to travel as well, or are they at home? They're at home to I can't remember because they are uh, Zenit St. Petersburg. Zenit, yeah. Oh, yeah, I would so really have so preferred be, them to go to St. Petersburg this week. I mean, the last the last time Sevilla played Moscow a couple of years ago, and that's the only time I've ever been checked going into the stadium to check that I actually was the person on my ticket because they thought the security thought I was Russian. Oh, <laughs> the, the only time I've been asked. Um, oh. Yeah, so the security will be big in the city. I think. For, yeah. I, I don't think I don't think Saint Petersburg have the same reputation as some of the other clubs in Russia. No, but um, I wouldn't have minded, you know, having them to have to travel to Saint Petersburg before coming back, especially when we have to travel to Croatia like three days before this game. Um, but you know, 
play the hand that we're dealt and then we'll go from there. Well, their their game's a little tighter there, I think, on I think they only won what three two yeah. uh, in Zenit, so uh, they have less room to to screw up on Thursday than we do. So yeah. uh, let's see what happens. Uh, it's much watch TV. That's Sunday, ten fifteen Eastern time. So a pretty early match uh, on Sunday. I guess it's four p.m. Sevilla time, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's 4:15, yeah, so that's uh, it's good that it's a little earlier too. I, I think those late night Betis matches, that's not good for the city. And you see things like we saw at their stadium when when they start so late because it gives a good opportunity for a lot of day drinking before the game. So uh, and stupid decisions. So let's hope uh, we don't have anything like what we saw uh, at their stadium, and we come out of it with three points and a, a victory on Thursday as well. That'd be awesome. Uh, big, big week for the, the club. Let's hope uh, some of these injuries are not so bad and we get them back and we move on. So uh, guys, uh, Mark, thanks so much for joining us on the, on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. It's been great. Uh, you know, learning more about yourself and then also Spanish football and the history there. So thanks for sharing that and, and being on with us. Uh, Steve, thanks as always for joining us. Eddie, I hope everything's okay, man. He, he kind of bowed out us on us at the last minute. Um, until next week, my amigos, vamos mi Sevilla. Vamos campeón. Quería ensayar desde fuera del área, se echa solo morir. Vaya robo de balón bueno, vaya robo de balón bueno. Quiere salir rápido el Sevilla. Ahí está los argentinos primero, el Papu luego Campos. Corre el pura sangre, corre el pura sangre. Se incorpora otro argentino. Ahí está Cuña, la vuelve a meter al centro. Madre mía, cuántos jugadores tenemos. Vamos, 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 vamos. Gol, 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 g